So turn, if you will, we're in Galatians. We've started this amazing letter from Paul. We started last week. And uh, yeah, we started, right? It's this call to listen is what we looked at last week. As Paul said, grace and peace. And normally I would say grace and peace from me. But Paul says, oh no, grace and peace from God to you. I mean, just think about that for a minute. God announces grace and peace. Not just God the Father, but the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this evil age. That's how the letter starts. Incredible, wonderful, marvelous. God giving himself for our sins and delivering us this great announcement. And today, then, Paul jumps directly in for you to hear, to our proclivity, to let that go. I mean, okay, it's not a secret to our church family. A couple years ago, I had this big heart attack. It was huge. I tried so hard to ignore it, and I couldn't ignore it. It was this crushing pain in my chest. Eventually, I had to go to the hospital. They did all these procedures on me. They did these things. They made me better, but they sat me down, and they looked at me, and they said, Swanson? Not that they said Swanson, but you know. They said, hey, you you got to make some changes. You know, if you don't change your diet, if you don't change your exercise, if you don't change the things you do, you're going to be right back in here and you're going to have another heart attack. Right? So then my whole focus became what? And has become doing all those things. It was fine to get the treatment. It was great to get the thing that happened, get it treated, and I couldn't ignore it. The thing was crushing me. I was going to die. And there I was. I made this big step. But now I think what I'm actually doing is focusing on the things I need to maintain the good thing that I got delivered in. That's how people take the Christian life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried. That's how you take the Christian life. Like Jesus was the cure for your heart attack. And now the purpose of life is for you to maintain the relationship with God, and how do you do it? And for many people, what they think they're doing, and what you hear in the Christian pulpit all the time, is this idea that, that really we've moved on. I mean, John 3.16, who doesn't know? By the way, if you don't know it, it's a great verse. Go look it up. I'm not even going to say it. But they say, what about after? That's what Paul's doing today. It's, it's this incredible thing. We don't deny the event that's happened. We don't deny the truth of Jesus Christ, that our world got rocked. I mean, if you were yesterday at the baptisms we got to do, and the guy is so excited. He got, this is part, and it's, 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 it, it, it's catchy. Man, I walked away with the lightness in my step because of the wonder of God who saves people and resurrects people from the dead. Yes! And then I'm kind of back to normal life again, right? That's what happens. There he is, Sam. He got baptized yesterday. Yahoo, man. Fabulous. Sorry to interrupt. Right? So, but, but, but that's it. This shocking problem that then Paul says, and we said this is one of the earliest books in the whole Bible. So it's the very start of Christianity. And he turns to this church, these series of churches, not just one church, and he says this. He doesn't even, as he starts this letter, do his normal. Like, oh, I just thank God for you and... Oh, I'm praying for you, which if you read Ephesians or you look at the other letters, that's, that's what he does, right? Not this letter. This letter, he's going to jump right in. Don't desert 
the gospel. And, and, and you might today, you start hearing this, man, I have snapback. Because it's amazing. So we're going to look at that together. The first thing we have to know and we have to like at least dwell in for a few minutes is the amazing grace we have. So c- consider with me as he starts. Here it is, we're picking it up in verse 6. Chapter 1. Paul says this. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Okay, so different gospel, right? That means there is a true gospel. Because different means another one. It's hetero. It means, I'll say there's a different gospel out there and you guys are choosing that. That means there is a gospel. You know it. I mean, I think you know it. We have all these verses there. There are treasured verses. They're the verses we know are true. And we get so excited. Ephesians 2 is one of them. Here, here it is. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And we say, Amen! It's so fabulous. There's more. It's just, hey, here's another one. For God so loved the world, He gave His only... Oh man, I'm giving you John 3.16. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But I could go through the Romans road, right? Who believes in his heart the Lord Jesus and confesses that he shall be saved. The gospel is the announcement of what God in Christ has done for you. And guess what? That's not just some dry statement. It's incredible. Can you think about it? Jesus Christ became man he died for you there's forgiveness for all of your sin forever and he did it on the cross and we all say amen we all go wow that's it's 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 the reason i'm here i i worship god because of what he's done for me it's his kindness that leads me to repentance look what he's done and we 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 start to see it and we live in in this reality that's proclaimed to us redeemed reconciled delivered saved our righteousness and goodness and glory and and purity and and this proclamation that we're free and alive and that's all by promise just what god has done and we say yes this is this is the truth of god revealed in the bible and we believe the bible and he says this it's 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 amazing I mean, amazing grace has become almost a passe thing. We know the song, but, but, but grace is so amazing. It's amazing that it's proclaimed to you. I mean, that's what Paul had done, right? He went, you've you got to go a little bit further. You've got to think, okay, so Paul took this amazing message of God's grace and forgiveness of all your sin, and he took it to these pagans in sort of modern-day Turkey in the southern province of Galatia. You guys know where that is? No, me neither. Because nowhere, I'm not making a con- concrete joke, where's Steve? But in the middle of nowhere, to people who are nobodies and they're pagans, they don't have any connection to God, and he goes and he proclaims this amazing message to them, and they, they believe in it. It's like he went to the little and the least and the outcasts, and the people who have done wrong, and the people who aren't good, and the people who are, who are, who are they to God? I'll tell you who they are to God, beloved. And he tells them, right, that this is the message Paul, Paul does. He, he, he goes out, and, and, and that's what it means when it says there, when it says there in, in, in verse 6, Him who called you in the grace of Christ. 
Isn't that incredible? (laughs) The one-way love, unearned favor, wondrous news that you are his and he did it. He called you. There's nothing to do. It's yours. Every moment of every day of your eternal existence. And God has called you in the favor of Christ. (laughs) That's the reality we live in, right? Are you with me? I mean, this is the gospel. It's why we sing Amazing Grace. It's why we say it's good news. It really is. And if you, if you sense the depth of this goodness, then you kind of get why Paul goes off, right? I mean, that's, that's what he does. This sort of shocking turn. He's, he, he's not, uh, he's not using light language. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You know, not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So he's astonished. Normally I really go after and try and get us because our whole church is in gospel astonishment. I'm so astonished by the gospel that God would do this. But now Paul looks and he, 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 people had, had received it. They, they, they'd gotten, wow, Jesus did this for me. They, 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 they had the amazing wonder of what God had done. And now Paul is like shocked because why? Because they're turning away. Right? So he's not, he's not shocked because of God. He's shocked because of them. How could you leave this God who forgives everything you've ever done and gave himself for you? He calls it a deserting of the one who called you in the unmerited favor of Jesus and turning to some other good news. And, and, and you know what? There's not any other good news. So let's be clear, Paul says, right? It's not that there's another good news. I just called it that. But it's a twist. There's a twist that happens. He's not saying they're going back to paganism. He's not saying, oh, you know, Buddhists have come in and they're, they're telling you Jesus wasn't the Savior. He's not talking about that. It's, it's not about Zeus. It's way more concerning, and way more concerning to us as we read this letter, I think, because... Because this is about those who are troubling them by altering the gospel. Right? That, that's the issue. By distorting the good news of Jesus Christ. So this entire letter is going to be about this. This shocking turn that God's people are tempted by and God lets people. God's amazing. He's done this. It's announced. It's true. And yet people twist it and, and they turn it. And, and, and that's a problem. An early problem in the church and has continued through the church all the time. In fact, maybe it's even touching us. I want to check. I want to be in my Bible. I want to know. Okay, so these, this is about those who are troubling them by this distortion, and it should not surprise us. I mean, remember Exodus 32? Remember when Moses is up with God, and what are the people doing down below? And they're like building some calf. We are prone to wander, aren't we? After God delivered them, after God did amazing things for them, after God has been a pillar fired in Exodus, they did that. We're so prone to people coming in and giving the good news a twist. Right? So it's, it's reasonable, logical movement from the gospel 
away from the gospel towards something else. That's what we're concerned about. Earliest issue in the church, continuing issue for you and me. It's not that you would drop Jesus for Buddha. It's not that you would start sacrificing children to Moloch. There's this huge possibility, though, that you would distort the gospel. So, so this is, hey, this is not about Jesus not being real. This is not about people would say, oh, you know, Jesus is, isn't, isn't really the Savior. This twist, particularly, is about the gospel, about the grace of God in Christ. That's what came in there. We, we call the people who came in, to, just so you know the actual issue they're talking about. We'll see it more. We're going to go through the whole letter, of course. But it's the Judaizers is what we call them. Well, that, I mean, I know no one. Anybody ever talk to a Judaizer? No, I don't even know what that is. Why does it matter for today? Well, what they were saying is you needed... Not, hey, Jesus is great. He's amazing. He saved you. But now to keep relationship with God, there's a list of things you need to do. Very reasonably. You know, it's in the Bible. God's given you some things you need to do if you're, if you're, if you're in Christ. So there are things that you need to maintain relationship with God. That's where they were going, right? And, and it's for them, it was about things like circumcision, but not only circumcision. Maintaining personal goodness. Jesus gives grace and you give obedience to the revealed scripture of God in order to maintain relationship, in order to be part of the community, in order to prove that you're really His. Now we're starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. Because that kind of is many of our default. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You stay right here. The grace of God in Christ. Forgiveness in Christ. All of the work. All of the action. All of the doing has been done by God. And if you say anything else, then curse you. Sorry, I didn't mean to point to you guys over there. We'll go over here. (laughs) Really? Well, that's not me talking. That's Paul, right? Look what he says. What in the world? That says the wrong thing to me. That looks like Ecclesiastes. Where did that come from? Someone doesn't want to be cursed. Somehow we got something really strange in there. No idea where it hopped to, but I'll, I'll just read it from the Bible. Here it is. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Those are not light words. He goes on, as we have said before, and so I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I think that's a double whammy in case you didn't hear it the first time and he invoked angels from heaven telling you something different. Then then it's like, don't you dare. And as anybody says anything different, then it's the grace of God for you. It's Jesus Christ for you. You let that person be accursed. And that's, that gets a little personal because it's easy to say, yeah, those Judaizers were bad. You know, I, I don't have to be a Jew to be in God's family. My goodness is a gift of God and Christ alone. I'm not adding anything to that, to that coffee. It's just a pure gospel. 
But then we listen to messages every day from every corner. And they distort this. It's not salvation per se. Jesus died to save us, yes, but... Let's just say you'll watch for, right? Yeah, Jesus, but, you know... Haven't you heard? Haven't you been pulled? Haven't you even thought this way? Of, of, yes, Jesus, you know, but, but now I need to engage. I, I, I need to obey. I, I need to, to advance. I, I, I need to be growing. Or, or God is displeased. Or God's not going to keep me. I, that, that's what I think, right? H- haven't you heard about lukewarm people? God's going to spew them out of their mouth. I feel like that's me sometimes. Well, I feel like that's my wife sometimes. <laughs> no, I feel like that's somebody else. Or in my heart of hearts, maybe that's me. I've got to get on it. The purpose of your Christian life is to love other people. If you don't, then you have no Jesus in you. Have you heard that? If you don't show some effort, you're not in relationship. You see, the good news is something you draw on to accomplish what God has for you. People live in this. The good news, they say, is so you won't stay where you are, but you'll get ahead. Do you want God to be happy with you? Here's the steps you can take today. You see, it's based on what? Your work and your effort. Each and every one of these statements that I've just said to you is a distortion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm making some of you mad, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. The actual good news is what it distorts. The announcement is what it distorts, of you being forgiven forever. The work of God is what it takes. God is on your side. You are a new creation that He makes, not you. You being a child of the promise, the promise of God, of you being His treasure that He died for. You are, right? He died for you. You are new by promise, and and this is the truth of the gospel, the announcement, and so therefore it is a distortion to say that that you will only get the blessings if you shape up. What in the world? What are you doing? If you act better, if you do these disciplines, if you think this, that, or the other, this this path leads to judgment. We're comparing each other all the time. You know, I'm a fruit inspector. You used to be a big thing when I was growing up as a kid. I'm looking at other people and trying to determine if they're really gods. Why? Because I can see it in their life. By what? By their effort. You know what that led to? A whole bunch of fakers. So people sit around and say, well, the gospel, God has a purpose for you that's, that's through the cross. And they leave the cross because the cross is important. The, the, the forgiveness of God is important. But really, why the cross is so you'll be a better person over here. And they want to move you to the better person part and leave the cross. Yeah, Jesus. But, you know, you got to love other people or you're not Jesus's. What? No, 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 no. 
Yes, Jesus, full stop. And say that again, yes, Jesus, full stop. Why do I say that? Well, well, now it's true, right, that the yes, Jesus, creates all sorts of new desires and new attitudes and fruit abounds that you might not even see. Don't, don't hear me that you're not going to bear fruit. You will bear fruit. Jesus Christ is amazing. Trust him that he's done it all. That, that full stop, though, is what, is what helps you do the fruit. Or else it's not fruit, it's you. Because it, people think that the, the reality of living doesn't come from the initial yes, but from the doing. And actually, the, the, the fruit comes from the full stop. My eyes are open to there's nothing I can do. I have to trust what Jesus Christ has done for me. And unseen by the world, with nothing to add, the law has no say to me. Jesus Christ has silenced it forever for you and me. That's why, that's why it says in Ephesians, he took the ordinances and laws that were against us and he nailed them to the cross. That's really important. That's why in Romans it says you, that, that, that we were like married to the law, but we had to die. We had to die to go get married to somebody else. That's Jesus. He did it. Ah, we didn't. We'll look more at that. Don't just accept it, but I'm, I'm kind of previewing. This is where Paul's going to go. It's life-changing when you do not have a must or an ought, but a truth and a proclamation. And the proclamation is the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ died for you and loves you and paid for all your sins forever. Will you trust him? So before we get there, you've got to be convinced that the gospel of Paul is the true gospel. It's, it's really the good news. I mean, I mean, there, there's other apostles that are also writing. There's other people coming in and talking. There's people all the time, these messages you get from all these different places. And, and so is Paul really it? And this is why he's so careful and he's so strong to say, you know what? I'm telling you the truth. That's what he's after. He wants you to have confidence, real confidence. That's the rest of chapter 1. Let, let's, let's look. Assuming it doesn't go back to Ecclesiastes again. <laughs> For now am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ, he says. So, I, here's the thing. I'm giving you some hard truth from Paul today, but and it's amazing and it's incredible. But 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 you know what? There's a real hurdle you got to get over. And Paul knows it. He's not unaware of it. What is it? It's fear of man. If I was trying to please man, oh, there's all sorts of things I could tell you that would that would pull at your commitment, that would get you to say, like, yeah, man, we're, we're going to do this together. All these things are trying to charge you up because people buy into that. In fact, it would be easier to give in to that than to speak this foolishness that God does it all for you. It's so hard, says Paul. But if I were to do that, am I, am I, am I trying to please man or please God? That's... The hurdle, that's the problem for most of us, the approval of man. It's so hard to stand on the truth when other people, including others that we appreciate and love and respect, are pushing against the gospel. 
the truth. <laughs> Since seminary, you know, it's an example of this. I, there, were, there were plenty of guys, not naming names, but they were very careful. They believed things. They were very careful they didn't say them out loud because they'd get fired. Now, we think this is probably true over here, but boy, I know these, my, my head guy thinks a different way, so we're just going to be real quiet about it. That's what Paul's talking about. And maybe I just not speak the truth, but this is so critical. This is so central. This is so amazingly the, 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 the hill we are dying on. That I, I cannot, Paul, if I'm seeking the approval of man, I would just go along, but it's, it, it would be no problem. I, he, he was trained as a Jew, but, but he's saying, no, I can't do it. I can't. Paul's confidence is not because of his academic credential. His answer is our answer. The answer is we've received something supernatural. Haven't you? A direct message from God about this, he says. And he who has made us is he who delivers us. I mean, this is how he chose to interact around it. This is his actual statement of what the truth is. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul isn't saying he heard something in the shower. His story is Jesus actually met him and told him directly and what he was going to do. This is God's plan for getting his proclamation out. And he proclaims this with certainty and with truth and directly from God. He didn't reason it out. He didn't say, well, there's 12 steps that I determined from really logically how things are going to have to go because I look out at all you sinners and they say, God's going to have to do something because, whoa, we're bad. That's true enough. But what he actually said was, no, I have a revelation from Jesus That's why I take pretty seriously people who kind of say, well, I heard from God and I heard this from them, and they start talking to you, and you're like, well, okay, but the revelation that's really important is the gospel, and that's what Paul actually got. So you're telling me that it's it's you're also kind of diluting it when you start saying, and the revelation is also X, Y, Z, and double A. I know, it makes me want to cry. It's kind of like that. For you've heard of my former... Life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently. I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. He was right there, right? Paul was very aware of God's special relationship with Israel, of the Old Testament revelation. He was advanced, not unaware. He was on the ladder. He was climbing high. And then God broke in. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up. Where is it? Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia. I returned again to Damascus. You read about this in Acts. He's saying, I didn't get this from some other man. I didn't get this second hand. I wasn't taught this. It wasn't a class that I took. So God appeared to me. Remember, he was blinded, and the scales came on his eyes. But he spent time, and God told him exactly what he's supposed to do. This is Paul's gospel. He says, I got it directly from God. Here's my story. It's not that Paul didn't get any confirmation. 
He, he, he did. He went first to the apostles, Peter, and the brother of Jesus, James. After three years, he says, he went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. That's, that's the word for Peter, the apostle Peter. And you remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, who we think wrote the book of James, right? In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. He's so important. Why is this so important? Why is he? I don't, so I don't care. I don't think you're lying. No, you should, because he's making a fantastic claim that everything is done for you in Christ, that you have grace and peace from God, and, and it's not going to change. No matter what, you trust that. You don't do stuff for it. You don't maintain the relationship by doing this stuff over here. Oh, may it never be. So, so if, if, if that's the truth, I've got to know that it's really the truth. He says, yeah, well, let me tell you, I met with God. And then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. Nobody knew him. They weren't swayed by his pedigree or pressured by his knowledge. They heard his calling about how God met with him and Peter and James and then others too. And how did they respond? And they said, look, they, hearing it, said, only he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Listen to me. And Peter and James and the church as a whole, they realized this is the message, you know, the faith. This is what it was. They said fabulous because their gospel is the gospel too. So, my message to you, Paul says, my incredible statement that you don't do anything, that, that you don't have to keep a code or make sure you do the rules in advance in moral behavior or outward signs, none of that is necessary. And they all agreed. Oh! They affirmed my calling. It was a cause for rejoicing for them. Okay, because God had done something. I mean, Paul hadn't done anything. He responded, right? That's his whole story. I responded. God went and grabbed me. He called me, and I came because of God calls you, you come. He opened my eyes. In fact, he closed them first. But, but then I have this revelation from God, and I'm here to proclaim it to you. Here I am talking, and, and it's nothing that I've done. And that's all. Do we believe him? If so, what does it mean? Here's the thing. Here's Thomas Schreiner in his commentary on Galatians. He says, in our churches, we may begin to concentrate on what it means to be good parents, to have a good marriage, to make an impact in the world, all, all good things, of course, so that we slowly and inadvertently drift away from the gospel of free grace. Or, or, or this is another, this is a Christian counselor writing. And says this, oh yes, Jesus and the gospel. Yes, yes, I know all about that. It's true that I love the story. It's good to remember it so I can tell my unsaved friends. But frankly, isn't that just a little elementary now that I'm saved? I mean, the gospel's great for those beginning the Christian life, but I think I've grasped it already. After all, I'm a Christian. Are you saying there's something more here I need to consider? 
And the right, yes, in fact, I'm saying if you neglect a critical focus on God's love for you in Christ, your Christianity will soon be reduced to a program of self-improvement, just one of many methods to help you get your act together. True Christianity is not a program of self-improvement. What's needed is death and resurrection, a loving redeemer. Okay, that's not me. So look out, dear church. Look out today for Christians who are forgetting, being moved from the gospel. That is a huge problem for each and every one of us. For the church as a whole. Say, well, move on from... No, hear it. Will you hear? This is from Colossians. You, oh, you just hear this. Who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, God did it. God does it. God presents you holy and blameless. God does it all. What do you do? You continue trusting him. What twists the trust? Well, yeah, Jesus What are you doing for him? Yuck. That's what we're fighting this morning. We've been completely reconciled through the body of his flesh. Oh, we try and reconcile ourselves through our good works, and we cannot. When, when we make up for our failures with proclamations of renewed effort, we're forgetting the gospel. when we think that we've got to prove our love for him so that he'll love us more, when we demand change, we can see. But the declaration is a promise from God. Will he accomplish? Will he accomplish for you? Do you know what the answer is? Yes. Yes and amen. Because the answer in Christ is yes and amen. Jesus has made peace between us and the Father by the blood of the cross. At every turn, may we never forget this blood and think we have to appease God in some way when God is completely and unalterably at peace with his kids and God is blessing and keeping us and he's being gracious to us and we know this. Why? Because it's proclaimed. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, he made him sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That, that's an unchangeable statement. That, there's no if in that. If indeed you continue doing what God wants you to do. So today, if you say, oh, I look at my life and I realize my behaviors are being guided not by what God's done for me, but what I hope God might do for me if I improve, then would you snap back? Come back to the cross. The cross isn't about you getting through the cross to be more. It's about Jesus for you, full stop. And the huge concern, and I, I do this, I listen to the world. I know the world works this way. When the doctors told me, Dax, you had a heart attack, you, you, you're in trouble. And we gave you this treatment, but now you've got to change. Guess what I try and do? 
change. You guys who know me for more than 10 minutes, you say, but Dax, you look just as fat as you looked last year. And you're right. I try. And I do this. Maybe I go down a little bit more. If my hope is really in that, eventually I'm going to die. I'll probably die of heart disease. I don't know. I could die walk across the street. But I know this. If my hope of heaven was not based on me always getting the treatment, that the treatment works forever and it's death and resurrected life in Christ alone, then I am the most to be pitied. Do not follow the world. Come back to the wonder of Christ. Know that he died for you forever. Your sin, when he declared it is finished, it is finished. When he says you're, you're a new creation, you're a new creation. Why? Because he promises it. You don't see it now. You don't see it even a little. You don't see it in your circumstances. You don't see it in how people treat you. You don't see it in how this world does to you. You don't see it in how your kids are behaving. You don't see it in how your parents are treated. You don't see it in any. But I'll tell you what, it is true. Why? Because it's proclaimed true by God. You are his, dear child. His treasure forever. Would you trust it? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Oh, that you proclaim it strongly in this incredible word that you've given us. And Lord, we know we are prone to distort. We are easily swayed off of this amazing news. Back into our own work. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to trust that you have us. Help us to trust that you have us, not just for some distant salvation, but right now in the circumstances we're in, for work we might do, for love that might be produced in us, for all the things you're doing. But Lord, may we trust you. Thank you for forgiveness full and free. And we're so grateful in Christ.